Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click on new. We fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, today we have some special guests with us. Uh, we have Jay and Nancy Dickerson, who serve as the area directors for the Assemblies of God World Missions Central American team. We're so glad they're here in the house with us today. They are from right here in South Carolina. And so I promise you, you're going to be encouraged and blessed through the ministry that they have here today. And so I'm excited that they get a chance to share their hearts with you. So here is Jay and Nancy Dickerson. Maybe you haven't met us or know our story, but Nancy and I had the privilege of serving as area directors in Central America. And right now things are pretty crazy. Uh, it's been a whole, we've, we're in the States on itineration, but we've kind of been shut down because of all the stuff with the virus. But our missionaries who are still in the field are still working hard, as hard as they can. They're impacted by the things going on. But we do request that you pray with us for the needs. And we'd like to share some of the things that are going on in Central America, especially for our missionaries, but also for countries and pastors, ones that are certain that are, that are really facing difficult times. Nancy, uh, Guatemala is one of the things that's been on our heart. Why don't you talk about that, babe? Guatemala is, um, our missionaries there are pretty much in lockdown. They're not allowed to get out. They've got a couple of hours in the morning, weekends, they can't go anywhere. But given the choice of leaving or staying, you know, what, what did they want to do? They, they all chose to stay because they said, when Corona's over and the doors are open, we want to be there so that we can help. Um, even in the midst of that, the Lord has blessed them with funds from BGMC and Convoy of Hope, and they've been able to get food to some pastors. And um, one of our missionaries uh, works outside of the city in, in very marginalized areas away from Guatemala City and they've got connection with several pastors and so they've told the pastors we, we can give you money to be able to buy the provisions locally so that that will help locally but also so that the people around will see your faces when it comes to receiving something. And so the pastors were just thrilled and they packed these bags and many of them when they walk drive for a couple of hours, then they walk several hours more with backpacks full of food. And this picture that you see behind us is of a family um, that was so delighted to receive food that they had been without for weeks. They were just kind of scrounging around to find things. And um, it was just incredible, the response from these kids. And what happened was in this little area, whole families accepted the Lord because of the, the pastor coming and ministering not only food, but Jesus Christ. It's really cool because in the middle of time when the missionaries can't get out like they want to, they're still involved in, in church plants and, and sharing the good news of Jesus. And there was a little boy with that same group who just was crying. He was weeping because of, of receiving. Yeah. And I think of the different ones. We have a, a, a missionaries in Panama, and they just got another notice that they can't leave. One day a week, 
the wives or the, the female can go on one day a week, the man. And so there's, we do ask for prayer because they're facing some emotional struggles with mm-hmm. this. But one of the countries that's really been on our heart is Nicaragua. Um, the government there hasn't recognized or hasn't um, owned up the problem that's going on. They say, oh, we don't have a problem with the, with the virus. But it's become so serious, the hospitals are full. Um, one of our, our missionaries um, is involved. They do have a feeding program. They feed about 80,000 80, uh, kids a week. Um, and they work through local churches, and they have pastors in these places. And six of their pastors have passed away from, from the virus. And this, this, this past week, on Saturday, our, our national treasure, um, we thought he was improving, but he passed away from, from the virus. He also pastors a large church, and within 30 minutes, his associate pastor had passed away as well. And every one of the executives, except for one, um, is suffering with the virus, and now they're, they're wives. Um, but, but I think of, of this, this family and just, you know, all the difficulties. But we also have some other pictures from, from Nicaragua from one of our, our missionaries, Ricky Lopez, and he's known as, affectionately known as Ricky Ricky. And he works in the garbage dump uh, in the northern part We're of the building country. Building a church in the, in the he, garbage dump. He's getting ready to build, start his second yeah, church. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they are doing food distributions. They have a bus. They have a building. They have a clinic, and they're out meeting the needs of those. And they're they're putting themselves at risk. They really um, are. Severe flooding. They've gone through severe flooding that yeah. has affected the community. And when you're when you're that marginalized already, and you have severe flooding, there goes your little bit of electricity that you've mm-hmm. got. So life changes. Well, yeah. This past week, with the tropical storm hit El Salvador, hit Nicaragua and Honduras, and they had so much rain. We have pictures of, of, of whole sides of the mudslides. And so you're going, okay, the, the pastors can't work mm-hmm. uh, because they, have their, they can't leave their homes. So they're suffering already. We're, we're working with our missionaries, the different organizations to get food, feeding about 1,000 families each month. But at the same time, they're really impacted by that. It's just, it's such a tough time. Yes. And so um, pray with us. Uh, pray for our missionaries for their just the emotional health, yeah. uh, the strength to keep on, also that they would be safe because uh, they're going out when they can, doing food distributions, mm-hmm. going out ministering with they, when they can, um, but also pray for the provision that we can continue feeding and, and ministering and pray for. Uh, we got a note from Ricky this morning that his family back in Southern California, mm-hmm. they're all, they've been exposed, all, all mm-hmm. tested for the, for the virus. Yeah. And so the, being separated from the family, realizing they can't be there. And so it, it's a tough time. But we don't say that as, as bad news in the sense of, because God opens doors and brings Absolutely. hope in the middle of that. When you Families see it. get saved and yeah. the church is growing in the middle of this pandemic. So God's on the throne and he's working. But yet God is still there. And our hope right now, one of our missionaries in Salvador says, we're praying for the COVID revival. That's right. We're going to believe that God's going to turn this around and more people are going to be saved than ever. Yeah. So we Amen. see that even in the midst of difficulty that God will be glorified. And so we want to share for just a few minutes about us, about our call. And, and again, I don't want to bypass the fact we appreciate the partnership. Yes. You help us do what we're called to do. And so all the work that we're doing, you're involved in as well. Absolutely. And I, I guess what I want to share, what we want to share for a few minutes is about the call and the cost of the call. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look through throughout the word and as we've had more time to spend reading the word, I've been amazed with the call of God throughout the word. 
One of the times that really spoke to me is in Genesis chapter 6 when God called Noah. Yeah. You know, is an absurd call, and I like that word absurd because, like, it just seemed ridiculous. What, what was going on? God spoke to Noah and said, I want you to build an ark because there's going to come a flood. And they said, why is that absurd? Well, he lived in the middle of a desert mm-hmm. that had no rain, and he wasn't a boat builder, and God told him to build a boat. And when you see that God spoke to him, we don't see him arguing with the Lord. Now, I'm sure that we've never argued no. with the Lord. It's always been, yeah, whatever the Lord says. But he said, okay. And so he started, his whole life changed because of the call. But it wasn't fulfilled for over 100 years. But he had the voice of God, and he understood this is what God's going to do. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's called me to do it. And so the absurdity of the call, sometimes the call of God just seems really crazy, doesn't it, babe? It does. It does. You know, um, I think of when we went to Belize, when we started our missions career. and um, How many years ago was that, babe? <clears throat> it's just, just a few. Just yeah, a few. Yeah. Kind of like. 25. 25, yeah. yeah. But um, when we went to Belize, we, the Lord just put on our heart to build a high school. And we thought, okay, Lord. And so we looked for land and we found a piece of land. And we had a group there that was building. And someone came along and said, well, thanks, but this is my land. And I don't know why you're building on it. And we're like, oh, no. So it, it was crazy, a crazy time. And we kept thinking, Lord, why? Why are we doing this? Because... I mean, there's some high schools, but as we began to look and to see the situation, um, I was just recently looking at statistics, and of the 275,000 kids three years ago that started school, there were just probably like 19 to 20% that ever graduated high school mm-hmm. and went on to finish college or even to begin college because even there they they don't finish but you know there was only space for half the kids to go to high school yeah so the lord started speaking to us about building a high school something we'd never done before (laughs) it was absurd because of all the struggles and all the difficulties and you're going why lord and so then the government gave us a piece of property that was a sinkhole and then they gave us a piece of property that was out in a in the middle of this this area that had no road to it no electricity and we're like Okay, wait a minute, God, what? We were beginning to feel a little bit like Noah. Okay, we're going to say yes and we're going to obey, but this I'll is kind of crazy. Honest, Nancy was full of faith. I was going, we have enough to do. We were pastoring. We, we, we were not looking for more work. And I wanted to say, okay, I don't have to do this. I'm tired of the door being slammed in my face. And in the middle of that, Nancy said, what's the Lord say? And I thought, she played the God card. <laughs> Well, I tell you, when we went that first day to um, register kids, we didn't have any registration. We didn't announce any kind of a registration. But our first day, we filled the school. And um, it it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy the way God just moved things with the property, getting there, the buildings, everything that we had. But that first day, Every one of the position, uh, places in the, in the classrooms was full. In fact, we had said we would, we would um, accept 60 kids, and we had 90. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? So at 99, we cut it off, <laughs> and we squeezed all the kids into those classrooms. But I think of kids like Libney and um, Luis. And, I mean, I could just name name after name of kids that came to school, and their lives were changed. Um, Libney happens to be one that uh, I asked the kids the first day, I said, I want you to write and tell me what your dreams are. And they just, dreams? And finally, one little kid 
with a lot of nerve, I guess, raised his hand and said, Miss, we, we don't really know what dreams are. How do you do that? And it broke my heart. So I began teaching that year. And at the end of the year, I did the same thing. Okay, tell me what your dreams are. And Libney said, I want to come back. I want to graduate from New Hope High School. I want to go to college and I want to come back and be a teacher here at New Hope High School. So it's in the middle of absurd calls, God does the unimaginable. Well, you have to fast forward because when we go back to Belize now to the high school, Libney is one of the teachers. Yes, she but is. You, you know, you think of the stories like Elizabeth, those who, who came to school and it was a, a joy at school, but there were certain problems. But we didn't know that Elizabeth was, had to go home every afternoon to... Um, an abusive... A, an abusive, sexually abusive um, Not even a father. Not he even was just somebody, somebody living with the family. And so a new hope for her was a place of hope where she could find Jesus. And we didn't know all that, but we think of the times when God called and the difficulties, the doors being slammed in our face, not having the ability, not having the stuff. What if we'd given up because it was tough? And so we, what would have happened to Libni? What would have happened to Elizabeth? And in the future, when we, when we have a chance to share, we, we thought that we'd finished that project in, in Belize New Hope High School. But the Lord is speaking to us again because Nancy talked about only 20% of all the young people in the country um, graduate from high school. And there's such a, such a huge need there. We, yes. we, we know of, of, of pastors and just all kinds of stories that are just, just tear your heart out. And so the Lord is speaking to us again about going back and helping establish a leadership program where we can train future workers and future Build pastors. integrity into these kids that, that as they get into the world of working, pastoring, whatever, that there's integrity because there have been integrous issues with pastors in, in the country, unfortunately. Yeah, leaders who have been um, living double lives. And we realize that the only hope is changing the direction for young people. But it's kind of absurd now because, you know, we're area directors, we're doing training, and we don't have the time, but yet we've got the voice of God. Yeah. And so we realize that. So we look forward to sharing about that, but, but our hearts right now are, are really on the need and what's going on in our part of the world. But what I'd like to talk about, when we talk about the call of God and the, the absurdity of the call, we also want to talk about the cost the prices involved in obeying and saying yes to the Lord. Now, please understand, we as missionaries, you ch your church supports us. We are grateful for the, for, for, the, for the provision. So when we're talking about cost, it's not just about money. It's about that obeying the voice of the Lord will cost us. People won't understand. They, right. they won't get it. And one of the stories that we use a lot is, comes from First. Second Samuel and First Chronicles. It's a story, a very familiar passage where, where David had become king. And I think David got a little proud. And he thought, you know, so he's gonna, he was going to do a census. And he, he got his commander, Joab. That's a name, isn't it? Joab to go out. And he said, I want you to go and count all the warriors in the kingdom. Well, if you read the story of Joab, Joab wasn't a really righteous guy. But he realized that this is not he right. He was crossing a line. So Joab says, King, I'll do whatever you tell me to, but this is not right. We're not supposed to do this. And David wouldn't listen to his leaders. And so he said, go ahead and do it anyway. So he goes out and he starts counting the, all the, the warriors. And he comes back with a number. And then all of a sudden David realizes that, wow, 
It was wrong. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I, I, I repent, Lord. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, God is a God of forgiveness, but there are consequences for our actions. And so the Lord gave him three choices and said, okay, I'm going to give you three opportunities. There are three different types of punishment. And what he did was, he said he chose, actually chose a plague. It seems very timely, doesn't it? Um, but there was a plague and, and for three days there was a pestilence that came. And 70,000 people were killed in those first two days. And it was about time for the next day, the, the, the death angel, whatever you call it theologically, was at Jerusalem getting ready to go, and the Lord said, when David said, stop, and the Lord turned his heart. Mm -hmm. But he said to David, to stop this plague, you have to go make a sacrifice. And so the story picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 24, and I'm reading verses 19 to 25. And this is when David was repenting and going to be obeying the voice of God. He said, so David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Arana saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Arana asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arana, and this is, this is the point here, he says, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. When you, when you look at this story, I'm always struck by the point. It says, I will not offer something to the Lord that cost me nothing. There's a story behind this piece of property that, that David was going to purchase it was the place years earlier where Abraham was sacrificing, going to sacrifice his son Isaac. And that's a story in itself. But it's also a time that, that possibly is where Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And this land that David was going to purchase would be where Solomon would, would build the temple. So David, everyone knew who he was. And so he comes on this property and Arana says to him, My majesty, you're here, my king. And what can I do for you? And David said, I need to buy this piece of property so that we can sacrifice and so that we can stop this plague. Um, and Arana says, oh, I'll give it to you. Here I have the oxen, the wood, and everything ready for sacrifice. Take it, it's yours. And he said, I'll, you know, it'll cost me. And if you follow both the stories and look at what David offered, he was probably offering several, the equivalent of several hundred thousand dollars to buy this piece of property. He was actually gonna pay something significant. He said, I will not take something to the Lord that doesn't cost me anything. That's right. You know, this, this story also demonstrates what happens when ordinary people give because um, possibly the greatest person here in this story is Arana. Um, David came to him and wanted to buy his threshing floor and this piece of land and and Arana says, no, take it, take it. You, you don't have to pay me anything just in here. You can have the wood, you can have the oxen, you can have whatever. 
But you don't realize, I mean, for Arana, this was all he had. This David was, was rich. <laughs> and David had plenty of money. David could easily buy it. But Arana was offering his very best to the king because he wanted his king to be blessed in what he had. And um, I think of that today, even as our missionaries, in the cost that they've paid, even to stay in the countries right now, it, you know, it would have been more comfortable to be able to come back to the States and be with families. Places where they have the facilities, some of them are in countries right now, Nicaragua, Honduras, they don't have the facilities to take no, care if they no. were to get sick. No. So they made a choice. But when you think of, of Arana, if he gave that, he would be giving everything. That's it. I mean, it was like, you know, there was nothing left. All his oxen, everything. But he was willing to sacrifice it mm -hmm. for his king. And it just speaks to me so, I don't know, eloquently about, uh, about the price, about the cost, the call of God. And we say, well, what, is it, what does that mean for us? Well, you know, when you start thinking about it, the, what, what does God want from us? And first, you know, he wants... Once our calendar, once, once our time. Yeah. You know, it's been very strange the past couple of months. Um, you know, busy, tired and everything, but all of a sudden now the world shuts down. And I think one of the things that we've been able to do is really spend more time with the Lord and hearing his voice. And I, I don't want to stop. No. You know, even, even as things are opening up, things are changing, I, I value that time with the Lord. And so maybe that's one of the things that we'll take from this. But our, our, what the Lord wants from us is our time, that he's priority, mm -hmm. as opposed to always being, um, oh, I don't have time, I'm busy and all this. The Lord wants our calendar. He wants to be in charge of, of, of our time. Sometimes we push God in the nooks and crannies that we have around us. You know, yeah. oh, I got a little five minutes or ten minutes instead of this opportunity to really spend time. It's as if God has us poised in his hands mm -hmm. and giving us this time to be able to spend with him. Well, yeah, it's, it's time to, to shore up our foundation. I know you, there's a message you talk about trees and about how in the canopy and, and how the little trees at the bottom scrubs, that when they have struggle getting sunlight, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T, they learn how to, to, to nestle down. They learn how to build strength. Build so when core. The, Yeah, building that mm -hmm. core. So when the, the opportunity comes, they're ready to grow. That's it. And so the foundation, so I think our time with the Lord you know, what does the Lord want from us? Our time, even with his ends. And then the other thing he wants our talents. You know, we spend so much time thinking about what we can't do or, you know. What um, we can't have. What we can't, that's right, yeah. And, but, but God created us on purpose. That's right. With our talents, our, 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 our abilities. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I just think of all the time, the little boy with his lunch that came, that came to Jesus, you know. It seems so insignificant. Yeah. And the disciples think, we've got to feed all these people, Lord. But the Lord took what he had, that ordinary thing, because he gave it to Jesus. Because it's really not what you have. No. It's who you give it to. That was absurd. Oh, yeah. It was absurd. Absurd that that little bit was going to feed 5,000 people. Yeah. Picture a little Lunchable feeding, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people. Yeah. But Jesus took it. He prayed over it. He multiplied it and used it to meet the need. So the Lord wants our, our time. And he wants our, our, our talents, our abilities. Then he also wants our treasures, our resources. Okay. He wants us to be willing to give. And I think for us, um, as, as you know, we want to see 
people come to know Jesus. And I guess in the past several months, uh, we've upped what our giving, people we're supporting, because we want to, it's been a challenge, Mm -hmm. um, serious challenge. But when God speaks, we want to be found obedient to what he's doing. So I think for each of us, our resources, and as we're praying in a selfish way, when we think of, of, of our pastors and throughout Central America, when we think of those who are really suffering, having a difficult time, pray with us that we can find the resources we need to continue feeding people until they can start mm-hmm. working again. We're especially focusing on pastors because what happens is when people work from, live from day to day, um, they'll get back to work in the next few months but they won't start paying to the church for, for a month or two after mm-hmm. that. So pray with us. We're trying to feed uh, a thousand pastoral families in four of our countries on a regular basis. So resources. But pray with us at, and pray with our missionaries that God would give them the strength. But when we think about all, all this, I, I think of the world is just kind of open to the new message and that we will be ready Mm-hmm. to share the good news. When you think of the billions who have yet to hear about Jesus. Absolutely. Um, it, it, you know, I, I remember one time walking through the Atlanta airport and just being overwhelmed with the need. I mean, I just thought, Lord, there are billions and there are people dying every minute never having heard the name. But it was as, it was as if the Lord spoke and said, when all God's people are doing all that God says, then all the world will be reached. Amen. And so it brought it down to the point of our time, our talents, and our treasures mm-hmm. given to Jesus just like the little boy did. And when he took it and multiplied it to meet the need. Because one person can't do it alone. But no. when we all do what God's asked us, if all people are doing all that the Lord has asked, then the world will be reached. I know. I know. Then it'll come back. And mm-hmm. look forward. I know it's a difficult time. I know that many people are are struggling then and we're praying for people who have been sick and and facing economic things mm-hmm. so we're not uh, minimizing the pain but you know as, as David said I will not offer anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me so serving the Lord obeying his voice does costly. It, it's costly it costs us everything mm-hmm. but the benefits I wouldn't trade it for anything wouldn't have it any other way when you get to see the Elizabeths and you get to see the Libneys and you get to see the stories of those whose lives have been changed whole families come in to know the Lord oh, yeah that's right with and one of our pastors in Panama he's pastoring international church and because of with Zoom they're now getting ready to start another church yeah. another part of Panama City uh, through electronics yeah how cool is that yeah God's a creative so um we challenge you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for allowing us to, to share our heart and message. And thank you for your prayer. And we do look forward to seeing you face-to-face at some point. But may God bless you and, and keep you and give you strength. Continue serving him. Thank you. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.